And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate you joining us, uh, as always, on the Most Accurate Podcast. Uh, John Paulson will be joining me in a couple of minutes, and today we're going to go over John's wide receiver and tight end rankings breakdown. If you heard last week, uh, we covered the quarterbacks and the running backs, and if you're wondering, hey, where's the wide receivers and tight ends? Well, that's what John Paulson and I will get to uh, today, but before we do that, we have a special guest, and he's not going to be a, a guest uh, very much longer. He is Greg Smith, and he is going to be doing a lot of the podcast under the Most Accurate Podcast name. He's going to be doing some preseason podcasts. He's going to do some in-season podcasts. Uh, John and I will still be covering. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we have done over the past couple of years, but Greg is fantastic, and if you want to give him a follow on Twitter, you can, at Greg Sauce. And uh, Greg, first and foremost, welcome, and it's officially nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. It's really great to be uh, part of the 4 for 4 team officially, and I can't wait to you know get started on, uh, I guess, my half of the podcast or my part of this uh, podcast feed. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Can't wait to get started. Well, why don't you tell listeners that uh, are unfamiliar maybe with your work what your background is? Yeah, so I've been covering fantasy football for a fairly long time at this point. I got my start with thefakefootball.com, a now defunct website, but it was really great when it was up and running. Uh, and then I founded 2QBs.com with uh, the amazing Sal Stefanelli and uh, a former 444 great Joshua Lake. Uh, that site is dedicated to 2QB and Superflex. Uh, we dropped a couple draft guides over the past two seasons. I did a, a Game Flowbotics series on that site. And for 4 for 4 I have done a little bit of work. I did a QB draft strategy article last season. Uh, earlier in April this year, I did a study on quarterback scoring versus expected finishes. So uh, go to the site and check that out. Uh, and I will have a series of expert mock drafts coming up throughout the offseason. The first one just wrapped up, so I'll be writing that up soon. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for that and more of those uh, down the line as the offseason plays out. And of course, I'll be adding my voice and a bunch of great guests to the most accurate podcast feed here. I'm really excited to do it. And and why four for four? Why did you want to team up with four for four? Uh, did you did you um, know a lot about four for four? And you know, just kind of tell us how you got in, involved with uh, the the excellent site. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys have always done a great job in terms of data informing decisions in fantasy football, but uh, also just kind of. The people at the site have always been uh, really great. I've, I've enjoyed all my interactions with everybody who's ever really written for 4 for 4. I met uh, Josh Moore at FSTA a couple of years ago, met him again at FSTA this past year. And um, yeah, it's it's a great site. I really appreciate the, the amount of work and the, the analytical approach to the game uh, without kind of losing the fun of the game, if that makes sure. sense. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're right, because sometimes it gets it, it can be heavy, uh, and you want to make sure that there's a little bit of an entertaining aspect to it, too. So I know where you're coming from on that. All right, so for listeners that want to know about, okay, well, what is Greg Smith going to bring to bring to the table in terms of content? What do you have planned for preseason? And then when we eventually get in-season, uh, what are some of the things that you're going to be covering throughout the NFL uh, season? Yeah, so during draft season, I 
And just a, I'm a draft fanatic. That's probably my favorite part of any fantasy sport. I, I play them all, you know, baseball, basketball, football. I love the draft process. I love draft strategy. So you'll get a lot of that uh, on my shows. Uh, and we'll be, you know, diving into, you know, dissenting opinions with, like I said, a bunch of great guests uh, in the season. We'll turn more towards, you know, that week-to-week grind, uh, looking for uh, – Sneaky starts, uh, not to steal from John, but uh, things along those lines. Uh, but yeah, just trying to find new angles to approach matchups and to find value on a week-to-week basis because there's always something else you can be doing to, to mine your waiver wire, uh, to mine the trade market, and to maximize your or optimize your uh, lineup decisions week after week. And uh, I want to try to help be another you know quiver or arrow in your quiver, uh, listeners, to kind of help you make those decisions and find ways to win uh, during the year. Well, excellent, Greg. I appreciate you joining us for a little bit. Again, we just wanted to introduce listeners to Greg. And uh, if you hear, you know, the most accurate podcast, you click on it and you hear Greg throughout the course of the preseason, throughout the course of the regular season. Uh, We wanted to make sure that you were familiar. John and I are still going to be doing plenty of podcasts as well. But as 444.com expands, we want to make sure that we get Greg Smith and other talented, uh, you know, know, whether they're writers or like in Greg's case, he does a little bit of writing and also does some podcasts as well. Want to get these guys involved. So Greg, really looking forward to hearing your podcast throughout the course of the preseason and the regular season. Uh, thanks for joining us before we get into uh, John's rankings today. Thanks for the warm welcome, Anthony. I appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you soon. And now let's bring in John Paulson for a chat on, on wide receivers and tight ends. Last week we did quarterbacks and running backs, as I said before, I got a chance to talk to Greg Smith. John, how are we doing today? And and uh, what what about the music that brought us in before we dive into to our pod this week? I'm not doing bad. It's Friday. Uh, my son promoted from fifth grade yesterday, uh, which is something they do out here in California. I'm not sure if they do it in the rest of the country where you go from grade school to middle school, but it was a kind of a big ceremony. And uh, so it was an exciting day. It was also my wife's birthday. But wow. uh, I'm excited to be here on a Friday talking wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, the music... <laughs> Uh, was Lovely the Band. Uh, the, it's kind of the song that I'm uh, addicted to right now. It's called Maybe I'm Afraid. It's the 10th track off their 2018 album, Finding It Hard to Smile. So I'll add that to the uh, uh, Most Accurate Podcast playlist on Spotify. And if you can't find it there, uh, just go to any of the podcast posts on our website, and there's a link to the, uh, the playlist inside that post. So uh, check it out. All right, excellent. Today, which is May 31st, if you're listening, June 1st, this won't apply. Today, if you're listening, May 31st is the last day to subscribe and get a chance to win an autographed Alvin Kamara jersey. You'll also receive a $35 coupon off any league at FFPC and a 17 to 20% off your 4 for 4 subscription thanks to our early bird rates. So absolutely get on it. If you're listening and the calendar still reads May 31st, jump on it right now chance to win an alvin kamara jersey also receive that 35 dollar coupon off any league at ffpc and 17 to 20 percent off depending on what subscription you go with for four for four uh thanks to our early bird rates last week we discussed john's quarterback and running back rankings so this week we're going to cover the wide receiver and tight end positions john let's start off with wide receivers what are you noticing about the position as a whole this year well well, I'm noticing in drafts, because as soon as the uh, projections are done, I start getting into best ball drafts and start to kind of sketch out my draft strategy for the year. And I'm noticing in first rounds of uh, most of these drafts, they're going very running back heavy because in the last year or two, the, the first round running backs have stayed relatively healthy. So 
I think drafters think that they're going to stay relatively healthy again. Um, I mean, if you remember a few years back, there the there was a big movement to start going wide receiver heavy in the first round, and it's understandable because they tend to stay more healthy than than running backs. But now it seems to be shifting back a little bit, and what we're seeing now are some f- former first round picks, f- former top eight picks, going now in the middle of the second, late second round. Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown um, are going in the second round now, whereas they used to go in the first. Um, so it's entirely feasible to maybe go a DeAndre Hopkins and then a Julio Jones in the second round and then draft some running backs later on in the draft if you still want to go wide receiver early. It's, it's definitely feasible, and you can get some really good players in the second round. I am noticing, and we can get into some of these players later on, uh, but there is quite a bit of depth at the receiver position. Again, there's couple of really good receivers that I'm seeing going uh, in the ninth, 10th, still on the board in the ninth, 10th round, uh, 11th round. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to taking them. So that makes me a little bit less, uh, there's less urgency for me to fill up my wide receiver spots uh, in the middle rounds because there are some really good players available late. You think Julian Edelman is an early, early value? Yeah, I do. Uh, And he's actually still on the board. I probably shouldn't say anything right now, but he's still on the board in an expert draft I'm doing. And I'm hoping he, you know, slips back to me, but uh, we'll see. Uh, he just with with Rob Gronkowski out, uh, Edelman's targets I think are pretty safe. Um, you know, they did draft Nikhil Harry, uh, but Edelman's going to see a ton of targets, and he's been uh, really good with with uh, Gronk out in 13 games last year, including the playoffs. Edelman had 102 catches. Uh, he played at a pace of 102 catches, 12, 1232 yards, 7.4 touchdowns. In the 11 games since 2016 with Gronk retired, I'm sorry, Gronk sidelined, Edelman averaged 6.9 catches for 84 yards, 0.27 touchdowns per game. Those are wide receiver one numbers in PPR and half PPR formats. Um, and he's kind of going off the board in, in the teens as far as wide receiver positions. So he's, he's going off the board in wide receiver two. I'm seeing him available into the fourth round in PPR drafts, and I think that's, uh, that's a good value there early in the draft. What about Amari Cooper? After the trade from Oakland to Dallas, he he went off, thrived in that offense. Do you think that he's going to continue on that trajectory in Dallas with that Cowboys offense that really is is going to stay intact with Dak Prescott? Uh, the offensive line, for the most part, is going to stay intact, and then you got Ezekiel Elliott as well. What about Cooper? you think he th- can, continues to thrive? Yeah, if, if folks remember, I was a little bit skeptical about how Cooper was going to do with a midseason trade. Uh, to Dallas, uh, you know, just how he'd be incorporated in the offense. I'm not usually too optimistic when players teams changes change teams, even in the off season. Um, but they got him immediately involved, and they just peppered him with targets, and he responded. Uh, so I'm I'm really optimistic about Cooper and Dak Prescott in this passing game, uh, especially getting Jason Witten back as well. In 11 games with Dallas, including the playoffs, he averaged six catches for 81 yards. Uh, 0.64 touchdowns. That's a 96 catch, 1300 yard, 10 touchdown pace. 8.5 targets per game for Cooper. So you know, I'm looking at him as a low end wide receiver one this year. Why are you so down on Adam Thielen? What's the hesitancy there? Well, it's, it has a lot to do with uh, Kevin Stefanski and, and and how the offense changed once he took over. Mike Zimmer, uh, you know, defensive. Minded Mike Zimmer wants to go run, run heavy. At least he did at the end of last year, and the, the team's pace slowed by 6.4 plays per game. Uh, 
the, the, the run-pass split was nearly even, and you know Thielen's numbers took a big dump. And it was a small, small sample, and I think he'll be better than this. But you know he averaged 3.3 catches, 46 yards per game. Didn't catch a touchdown on four targets per game in that three-game span. After averaging 7.9 catches for 95 yards, 0.69 touchdowns on 11 targets per game through the thir- first 13 games. So it's a it was a big drop, and it was very noticeable to me. Stefan Diggs actually pretty much continued his production uh, with Stefanski calling the plays. So, you know, I think they both take a little bit of a dip. Uh, Thielen will be better than what, you know, he did in the last three games, but I don't think he's going to be as good as he was in the first 13 games. So I can't take him in the third round unless it's at the very end. And I think even then I'm, I'm taking guys like Julian Edelman over him. Uh, side note, I like the way you said big dump. You really put emphasis on the big <laughs> dump. You, know, you took a big dump. And then he kept going. You've been banging the drum for Chris Godwin for a while. How is he looking in 2019? Well, I think the, everything's set up for a breakout season for him. Uh, Deshaun Jackson moved on. Adam Humphreys moved on, which is you know lesser-known move, I think, from the, the, the casual fantasy community to realize how involved in the offense he was from the slot. And Bruce Arians is saying that Godwin's going to play a lot in the slot, and I think that's a great sign for him just being on the field for 90% or more of the snaps. And I think that's, that's huge for him. If you look at the five games as a rookie where he played at least 50% of the snaps, he averaged 4.2 catches, 73 yards, 0.2 touchdowns per game on 7.2 targets per game. You know, last year he finished 25th at his position, uh, but he only played more than 70% of the snaps in six games. So five, five of those came with Deshaun Jackson sidelined uh, from week 13 to week 17. Uh, so Goodwin's going to be on the field a lot, uh, and this offense should take a step forward from a passing game standpoint with Bruce Arians uh, kind of putting it together. Uh, Byron Leftwich, I think, is calling the plays, but uh, I think Bruce Arians will really help this offense and, and help uh, Jameis Winston sort of settle down and, and become the franchise quarterback that uh, people think he can be. Uh, but for Godwin, uh, Mike Evans, uh, I think they're setting up well for a ton of targets this year. Robbie Anderson finished strong last season with the Jets. Do you like him uh, in 2019 as Sam Darnold continues to develop? I do. Uh, you know, the one caveat here is that Adam Gase is in that uh, at head coach, and it's his offense now, and that's going to change uh, the dynamic a little bit. They added Jamison Crowder uh, as a pass-catching uh, slot receiver, and I guess there's only one kind of slot receiver, and those are pass-catching slot receivers, but Crowder was real good a couple years ago, not real good last year. Uh, so interesting to see how Crowder, uh, Quincy Anunua and Robbie Anderson, uh, sort of all coexist in this offense. You also have Le'Veon Bell, who's a you know big pass catching running back, uh, coming in. Uh, I'm not sure Adam Gase wanted to sign him, but he's there. And, uh, <laughs> so I think that, you know, Anderson's still a value, although, you know, he finished so strong last year, uh, he had four for 76 and a touchdown, seven for 96 and a touchdown, seven or nine for 140 and a touchdown, 9.8 targets per game. And in his last four games, uh, really started to click with Sam Darnold. So that was a great sign. And, you know, Adam Gase was really uh, optimistic and very, you know, congrats, uh, was really impressed with, with Anderson in OTAs and looking at film. Uh, just talking about how he can do and what kind of a burner he is. So he's going to try to put Anderson in places to play, uh, make plays, and I think uh, that bodes well for him. 
Larry Fitzgerald is going in the ninth or tenth round. What do you think here? You got uh, yet another quarterback, yet another offensive coordinator change. Fitzgerald has been so steady and underrated for seemingly his entire career. But ninth or tenth round, all these changes. What do you think? Yeah, in my uh, 2019 rankings breakdown for the wide receiver position, I called his ADP laughable. Um, just going way too late, in my opinion. He was still the number 26. Uh, receiver last year in PPR formats. Um, and that was with Arizona's pass attempts dropping by 17.2% from 2017 to 2018. That's going to take a big bounce back, back I think, with Cliff Kingsbury uh, calling the plays, running the offense. And, you know, I, I get the fact that he, he's old. And, uh, you know, normally you would, you know, kind of write off as soon to be 36 year old uh, receiver. But, you know, I look at. Larry Fitzgerald and, and maybe he continues on uh, Jerry Rice's path and maybe not quite as strong as Rice was because he had three 1100 yard seasons after the age of 36 but it's not unprecedented for Fitzgerald to, you know to to be a top 20 uh, fantasy receiver I think the the upgrade at quarterback that he's getting to Kyler Murray is going to be huge uh, the upgrade in terms of pass attempts in this offense uh, yes they have some other weapons now um, but I think that might free fits up for another good PPR season. Yeah, I'd like to think that there's going to be a lot of underneath routes in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. He's going to have to make some adjustments coming from college to the pros, but there should be plenty of targets for a guy like Larry Fitzgerald. Another player going in the double-digit rounds I know you're you're high on is James Washington. Why are you, why are you high on the Pittsburgh wide receiver? Yeah, I've been drafting from the three spot in a couple of uh, drafts over at draft.com, best ball drafts, and you know, I'm noticing that Fitzgerald and Washington are there at that, uh, I guess it would be the 8-9 turn. And, you know, it's hard for me not to take them both there at that turn. And, you know, Washington is going, I think his ADP has him in the 10th, 11th round, and I, I don't I don't really get it. Um, he didn't do much of anything last year. He had a good preseason. Uh, but Antonio Brown's gone. 166-plus targets there are freed up. Uh, yes, Vance McDonald will get some of those, uh, but I think James Washington is going to be the other primary beneficiary. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is probably not going to throw as much as he did last year, but he's still still a pretty good passing attack, and uh, you know he's getting a big target bump from a from a good quarterback. And you know, looking at what he did in college: 145 catches, 2,900 uh, yards, and 23 touchdowns in his final two seasons, at Oklahoma State. Um, he was a top receiver, got awards in the top, as being the top receiver in 2017. Matt Harmon, who does reception perception, really thought he was a great route runner when he evaluated the draft class last year. So I, I just think this is, everything's lining up for Washington to step in and be, become another in a long list of Steeler draft picks that turn into stars at the receiver position. I think he's, he's definitely one. So he's one I'm trying to get on all my teams. I think some people are going to agree with this assessment here. I mean, the Jacksonville wide receiver, they, they, they do have, that core does have talent, and I think that uh, you see that there's value in that, that same Jaguars wide receiver unit. Um, do you see the value coming in the fact that now Nick Foles and not Blake Bortles is the quarterback? Yeah, and so one thing I look at when I'm evaluating a receiver or if I'm you know looking at ADP versus my rankings and what's going on or when I'm doing projections, obviously the the quality of the quarterback is is part of it, and I think the targets that you're getting from Nick Foles are going to be better than the targets that these receivers got from Blake Bortles. Nick Foles is also not a runner. I think that's fair to say. Um, 
but he is not the runner that Blake Bortles is. So I think the number of uh, pass attempts is probably going to go up because Bortles would tuck and run uh, quite a bit when he was playing quarterback. So I think the the passing game takes a step forward with with Foles uh, at quarterback. The quality of targets are up. The pass attempts are up. And so I think this benefits D.D. Westbrook and Marquise Lee, specifically Lee. Westbrook is going about where he should be, in my opinion, maybe a little bit low. Um, but Lee seems like he's going very low, and I think people are uh, concerned about the knee injury. So we're you know, keeping a close eye on him in this offseason to see where he's at because when he was um, – when he was healthy in 30 games since 2016, he's averaged 6.7 targets per game. Uh, so he's been a big part of the passing offense when when, when healthy. And uh, Dante Moncrief left, 86 targets left with him. TJ Yeldon left, 78 targets left with him. Uh, so there is there is opportunity in the passing game as well. And I think both these players uh, should should return value uh, higher than where they're going. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think it's a reach to say that Nick Foles probably stay in the pocket a lot more than uh, Blake Bortles. Obviously, he's he's a lumbering dude. He does have some athleticism, but he's definitely going to beat you from the pocket. I think you make a, a really good observation talking about how there should be then more pass attempts with Nick Foles staying in the pocket as opposed to uh, Blake Bortles. All right, one more wide receiver, and then we're going to get into some tight ends. Geronimo Allison is going in the tenth round. Do you think he's the number two option in Green Bay? I do, and I think sometimes when guys get injured, the fantasy community kind of forgets about what they did when they were healthy in in the year prior. And you know, Allison's game logs from 2018 were pretty impressive. Um, he had five catches for 69 yards and a touchdown, and eight targets. Uh, I think it was week one, six for 64 on six targets, two for 76 on, and a touchdown on four targets, and six for 80 on 11 targets in his first four games. That put him on a 76 catch, 1100 yard eight touchdown pace over a full season and he was on a pace to see 116 targets. So he's, you know, he was a number two option in this Packer offense before the groin uh, core muscle injury kind of derailed his season. And yes, they have some young receiving talent there. Uh, but it looked like in OTAs that Allison was uh, starting in the slot uh, with uh, Devonte Adams and Marquez Valdez Scantling on the outside uh, so typically, the this is a new offense though, so it's you know we have to kind of watch Matt Lafleur and and how they do things. But you know typically Packer receivers, if they're one of the top three, they're they're on they're on the field for seventy percent or more of the snaps. So you know if that's the case, I think Allison's going to return fantasy value. And same with uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling for that matter. If he if he beats out Equinemius St. Brown and the other Packer receivers there to be the number three three option, then he should return some value as well. The tight end position tends to be one that a lot of people struggle with only because it's so top-heavy. They want to find they're, – they're okay waiting. They're okay uh, when they don't have to go out and get the, the the number one or the number two or even the number three tight end. But then you get into kind of this muddled middle group of tight ends and you're trying to find the, the right steal or the right, right guy that's going to give you appropriate value. So having said that, what do you think of the position as a whole this year? Well, it's kind of shaping up as in years past where we have – it's very top-heavy and there's some guys going in the early rounds that are super dependable and they're basically wide receivers for their teams. They're getting 100-plus targets, super consistent targets. They're big parts of the offense, and I think those guys are worth picking in the late first with as far as Travis Kelsey. Uh, I like 
George Kittle a little bit more than Zach Ertz. Ertz was fantastic last year, but I think his targets might get a little bit pinched. He was especially good with Carson Wentz, if I remember correctly. So that's good as well, I think, in the second, late second, early third round for Kittle and Ertz. I've been taking George Kittle in the late second near the turn, mainly because I know there's going to be some players I like there in the early third round. I've been taking T.Y. Hilton there. So uh, I think those three guys are definitely worth picking very early in the draft. And then after that, it starts to get a little bit dicey. Let's get into some of those tight ends then. After the big three, what should owners do at the position? Who are guys that you may be targeting or, or who are guys that you think have some upside uh, in that, that next that next tier? Yeah, I think the next group for me is Hunter Henry, O.J. Howard, and Evan Ingram. I think I moved Ingram ahead of Howard. Uh, just looking at his splits uh, with Odell Beckham out. But for as far as Hen- Henry, I, I'm really optimistic about him. I know he has the ACL tear. He's coming back. But he came back late last year uh, as they were getting ready for the playoffs, and he was practicing. So I think he's going to be totally fine. Uh, they may limit him some in the offseason here to let him uh, kind of ramp up into the season. Uh, but, you know, Henry was one of my favorites heading into last season. I thought he was going to break out, and then he uh, tore that ACL. Um, his per game average, you know, puts him in the top 10 already. And then you have Antonio Gates, um, out. And when, you know, it was three games, it's a small sample, but three games with, uh, Gates out, Henry's, uh, production is higher than all the other tight ends, except for Kelsey Ertz, Kittle and, uh, Eric Ebron last season. So I think he puts him right there in the top four or five. Uh, I have him at four. Um, the other thing, other way I sort of do it is I look at his uh, fantasy points per target. So in half PPR formats, that's 1.9 uh, fantasy points per target. And then sort of sketch out a number of targets for him. And Antonio Gates from 2014 to 2016, when he wasn't really in his prime, he was seeing almost seven targets per game. Uh, so if, if Henry maintains that, he's looking at like 13 fantasy points per game, half PPR. And that's what uh, George Kittle averaged last year. So I think, uh, I think Henry's a nice pick. I've been... If I miss out on the top three, I've been getting him in the fifth, sixth round. Uh, and I just took him actually at 303 in a tight end premium uh, draft, experts draft, uh, industry draft, 1.5 points per uh, reception for tight ends. And I think it was a good, pretty good value there as well. So uh, I really like Henry, Hunter Henry heading into the season. Uh, O.J. Howard, I, I think, is very, very talented. Um, you know, Bruce Arians hasn't had a tight end of his caliber Yet, you know, the closest thing maybe was Heath Miller, who had a couple of really nice seasons, or had one really good season, 76 catches, 789 yards, and six touchdowns uh, under area. And so it's been done before, and I think, uh, you know, after Godwin and and Evans, uh, O.J. Howard should be able to capitalize in the middle uh, with some some targets and and a lot of production because he's been really good on a per-game basis, per-target basis uh, since he's entered uh, the league. And then Evan Ingram, um, you know, his, his targets with Odell Beckham um, out. He's uh, he's played at a 76-catch, 945-yard, six-touchdown pace in the 15 games in the last two seasons with Beckham sidelined. And then, okay, well, what about when Sterling Shepard was also out? Or was he better with Sterling Shepard in the lineup? The pace actually jumps from 82 catches, uh, 1,043 yards, 5.8 touchdowns. Uh, if you exclude the games where Sterling Shepard missed. So he's actually better, more efficient with Shepard 
in the lineup than without. I think the one concern there, well, there's two. Golden State, or Golden State, Golden Tate. <laughs> um, I, got Golden, I got the Warriors in my mind. Sure. Uh, Golden Tate um, is, is kind of a target hog, so we'll see what he does there uh, as a slot receiver for them. And then the, the targets from Eli Manning are a little bit low quality. So if Manning continues to struggle or gets even worse, um, and you know take take some of his targets then there's a way for for ingram not to really produce but uh you know he needs to step up uh with with beckham out and um i think that this is a, a golden opportunity to do that all right what do you think of eric ebron and i know we have to mention him every single podcast i don't know if you've got a contract with like jared cook's estate uh you know at, at some point or if you, you, there's some kind of sponsorship going on but what do you think of eric ebron and of course jared cook yeah, I know he's your favorite player, so we always have to talk about him <laughs> from the, his days with the Rams. Uh, e. Brown was so good last year. Uh, a lot of that had to do with Jack Doyle being injured or dinged up. He's going, you know, I mentioned uh, Zach Ertz might feel a pinch with some passing talent coming into the, the Eagles offense. I think the same thing is going to happen or could happen to Eric Ebron. You know, Jack Doyle's 100%. That's going to hurt him in terms of targets, I think. Uh, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell. Uh, the Colts did quite a bit to upgrade their passing core uh, or their receiving core, uh, the passing game for Andrew Luck. So quite a few more targets available to Luck, and I think that you know pushes uh, Ebron's ceiling down a little bit, and that makes him a little bit less valuable on draft day. Um, so I don't know if he's going to finish as high as he did last year. I think Jerry Cook was so good last year for the Raiders. Uh, he's fifth at his position. Uh, I think he's getting a quarterback upgrade with uh, Drew Brees to Drew Brees, but um, the the Saints are now a more of a running team than they are a passing team. I know they do pass the ball still, uh, but they're definitely more run oriented than they were in years past when Drew Brees would really throw the ball all over the, all over the field. I think he's going to be good. I think he's a pretty solid pick. Um, we could. It just seems like in his career, when we start to get excited about Jared Cook, he ends up disappointing, and that's why he, he frustrates you so much. Um, <laughs> but he has all the, you know, we saw it with the Packers when he was healthy. Uh, we saw it last year with the Raiders. He has all the talent in the world at the position, good hands. Uh, he definitely has the, the tools to, to finish as a, a middle to high uh, tight end one. Just a question uh, of how many targets he's going to get and can he stay healthy. Yeah, that's exactly. It's not. It's not that I don't like Jared Cook's game. It's quite the opposite. I mean, he's somebody that is uh, got the size and the speed that you're looking for a, a, in like a move tight end position. And when he was signed by the Rams, I I I thought it was just the most underrated signing of the off season. He nearly scored three touchdowns in Week One, and then from there it's just you saw exactly what how inconsistent he was. Uh, as a Tennessee Titan. Moving on, next tier, ADP-wise, seems to be David Njoku and Vance McDonald. What are your thoughts on these guys? Well, I like uh, McDonald more than Njoku uh, from an opportunity standpoint, certainly. As I mentioned, Antonio Brown, 160-plus targets uh, in that offense. You know, Even if they take a step back in terms of their pass attempts, there's still maybe 100, 120 targets available um, for Vance McDonald, James Washington, and everybody else. So, with Jesse James also leaving, that's 39 targets. Uh, he's, he's in Detroit now, I believe. Um, you've got McDonald stepping into probably an every-down role or, you know, 
that it'll be interesting to see. Do they play him on all downs, or do they find somebody else to sort of take the Jesse James role in the offense? Um, so that's a kind of a question mark. But I think we'll see McDonald in, you know, 60%, 70% of the snaps, and if he he does that, he'll be in good shape. He, he played on 55% of the snaps last season. Uh, James played on 50%, so there is quite a bit of playing time available. Um, if he stays healthy, which is another big question mark from him, he should see top eight, top seven targets at his position. Um, and he has top ten upside for sure uh, in, the, in, the, in that scenario. So uh, I like McDonald. He's an athletic tight end who can make plays and uh, make plays after the catch as well. And I think they're going to need him this year with, with Antonio Brown gone. As for Njoku, you know, I would under normal circumstances, I would say this is a great year for him to break out. But there's a couple things that I'm worried about. Uh, his splits with uh, Freddie Kitchens calling the plays were not pretty. He averaged 3.1 uh, catches for 43 yards uh, and 0.25 touchdowns on 4.6 targets per game with Kitchens as the offensive coordinator. Uh, it was 4 for 42 and 0.29 touchdowns on 7.4 targets prior to Kitchens' promotion. So, you know, the overall production was roughly the same, but the drop in targets from 7.4 to 4.6 is concerning. And then adding to that, you have Odell Beckham, who's probably going to see 10 plus targets uh, per game in this offense. Uh, I think everyone's going to feel the pinch and Joku, Jarvis Landry, uh, Callaway. Uh, so uh, they all, I think their ceilings are lowered a little bit. And Joku's a, you know, if he slips enough, I'll take a look at him, uh, especially if I don't have a tight end on the roster. Um, but where he was going, you know, recently is, is a little too pricey for me. All right, let's talk about some of the best values that that you can get later in the draft. These are guys that you know, if you miss out on those those first three or even four tiers, and you're sitting there and you like the rest of your position groups, but the tight end spot, you're like, I I could have an issue here. What are the best values later in the draft? You know, Delaney Walker jumps out. I've always been a fan of his. Uh, he was when I was not going tight end early based on who was available um, in the last couple, three seasons. Walker was the guy I was targeting like in the eighth, ninth round, and he was usually producing. Now he's older, and you know maybe he should be in this group, Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, but he's, he's practicing, he's on the field, um, you know, coming off his injury. And from 2016 to 2017, 4.5 catches, 52 yards per game, 0.3 touchdown, touchdowns per game. That would make him his the number five tight end in our projections. the The market share though was probably going to drop heading into the season. They added Adam Humphreys, slot receiver. They added AJ Brown in the passing game. So what's going to have to happen here is Marcus Mariota in the passing attack is going to have to take a big step forward uh, to allow Walker to retain that sort of top five value. But he's going tight end fifteen, to tight end twenty range. Um, so if you're in a tight end premium league or if you really want to punt the position, just maybe draft two guys late and you want to draft a young guy um, and then maybe draft Walker and see which one is sort of produces for you. Uh, I think Walker's a good, a good pick in that scenario. Uh, is, he, is it a super dependable pick in the 12th, 13th, 14th round? No, uh, but he has talent and, and he's back. Uh, one guy you could sort of pair him with is uh, Chris Herndon. Uh, he uh, he was 12th in points per snap in both standard and PPR formats last year. He played 63% of the snaps as a rookie. Uh, Adam Gase was complimentary of him uh, earlier this year. And if he gets his playing time up to 80%, which he should, um, 
and, re, and he retains that point per snap efficiency, he's going to finish in top 10. I don't know if that's a done deal because of the talent that the um, Jets added in the receiver position and uh, pass catching running back Le'Veon Bell, but uh, he has a chance. I mean, he's a he's a good he's a good tight end, and he was pretty good last year as a as a rookie. So um, I like him as well later on. And then I think people are kind of sleeping on Trey Burton. Uh, he wasn't great last year. I think he was a little bit of a disappointment, and so you know maybe he's a post type sleeper this year. He was on pace to finish number six at his position in the fourteen games where Mitch Trubisky was active. Uh, he played at a 57 catch, 618 yards, seven touchdown pace in those games. He's 27. He's athletic. It'll be his second season in Matt Nagy's system. They didn't add much at the receiver position. Uh, so I think he's a real solid pick if you miss out on these top guys. Uh, and maybe maybe this is more just just for you know Falcons fans like <laughs> yourself. But Austin Hooper, I, I find him kind of boring. Yep. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but he was sixth last year. Uh, at his position, his targets have increased along with his receptions and yards in each of the last two seasons. So, you know, as he, he goes tight on 11, 12, 13 off the board, he's a solid pick. I don't know that he's got top five upside, but he did finish sixth last year. Um, I, I just think he's got a consistent role in that offense, five targets or so, five to six targets per game uh, in any given week. So, you know, if you don't get one of these guys that's getting nine, ten targets per game, you could draft Hooper you know, a lot later and just kind of uh, punt the position. Yeah, I think you described Austin Hooper perfectly. I mean, he, he is, he is kind of boring. He's California cool. Like he doesn't, he doesn't say much and doesn't get uh, overly rattled. He used to drive me crazy two years ago because coming off the Super Bowl year where he caught a touchdown and he seemed like he was just, you know, he's going to have this breakout season week one against the bears. He had a couple of big catches and a big run for a touchdown. And, you know, he thought he was going to explode. And then he has basically settled into exactly what you described, which is he's going to see four or five targets a game. He probably will settle in between 50 to 70, 70 receiving yards uh, on a, on a great day. And, you know, between 25 and 45 on a, on an average day. And that's just kind of who Austin Hooper is. And in this offense, you're that exact. That's that's what you're looking at. Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Freeman's going to be back. I mean, you're you're not asking to see a lot of targets out of Austin Hooper. One thing I will say though is when the Falcons were having offensive line issues last year, Austin Hooper became kind of an outlet for Matt Ryan. They spent a lot of free agent money and also some draft capital capital. Uh, you know, kind of re- re- revamp- revamping that offensive line. So if they do have a better O line this year, I don't know what that means for Hooper. But if not, I mean, you're 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 going to see that those targets stay uh, right where they were a year ago. And like John just said, it's kind of a decent value for a guy that you can get very late in the draft. All right, three older tight ends going late in the draft: Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed. What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of crazy now looking at rankings and, and ADP that. And you see Greg Olson and Jimmy Graham and Jordan Reed all going in the late, uh, late, late rounds. No kidding. Tight end seven, tight end seventeen to tight end twenty-one at his position at their positions. Um, you know, Jordan Reed obviously worry about the injuries. Jimmy Graham was pretty good last year for the Packers, not great, but uh, you know, five point seven targets per game for him. Jordan Reed, I think, six point four targets per game last year. Uh, he's getting a quarterback upgrade, we think. Um, so. Those two guys, if you, again, miss out on the top three and just want to wait, you could grab one or both of these 
to, you know, Graham or Reed or even Olson and grab two of them and play whoever's healthy that week. And you'll probably get a pretty good production out of the position. Uh, they're, they're available so late that you can have them uh, for, for very cheap. And you look at Olsen, I guess he's been cleared for all foot, uh, foot injuries, or his foot injury has been cleared for all football activities. Uh, he did flirt with becoming a commentator, but it looks like he's going to play. You know, he's, he's just one you know foot injury away from, from hanging him up. So then uh, that's why they're going so late. You know, just not expecting top five production for, uh, from them anymore. But um, if, when they're healthy, I think they'll all be fairly big, probably number two, number three options in their passing games, respective passing games. If they're uh, healthy, Reed might be number one, uh, given the receiving core there in Washington, but um, just not real trustworthy with any of these guys at this point in their careers. Anybody else that you want to mention today? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm starting to peruse the beat writer uh, articles about OTAs and everything. And, you know, Darren Waller in in, uh, in Oakland is, is apparently going to start for them. So he's somebody to, you know, keep an eye on. Uh, pretty athletic. They, they want him to fill uh, Jared Cook's shoes. And the other guy that actually produced last year, and I, I don't know how to deal with him because – he plays with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, and this is going to be a very run-oriented offense in, in Baltimore. But Mark Andrews led the team in receiving yards in Jackson's eight starts last year, and that was you know with John Brown and Michael Crabtree uh, healthy and playing. Uh, he's 4.67 speed. He averaged 21.2 yards per catch in that span, and I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up. Uh, they did. The Ravens did draft a couple of receivers. Um, but they let John, uh, John Brown and Mac- Michael Crabtree walk. So Andrew's role may not change a whole lot. I just don't know if he's going to keep up his per catch eff- efficiency. But he's another guy going very late in drafts. So if you want to punt, punt the position, you can grab him and maybe another guy. And, or he might be one that you grab with uh, Trey Burton or uh, Delaney Walker and uh, just sort of wait to see how things shake out at the position. It's, you know, it's a position where um, – you can keep, take a couple stabs late in the draft and you know have a couple lottery tickets and hope that one of them pays off if you, if you don't get one of the top guys. That's John Paulson. Great stuff, as always, from John, who you can follow at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Don't forget today, May 31st, last day to subscribe to get a chance to win an autographed Alvin Kamara jersey. You'll also receive a $35 coupon off any league FFPC and 17 to 20% off your 444 subscription thanks to our early bird rates. So make sure you get on it today. Uh, John, any any news in terms of up, upcoming scheduling for the podcast? Yeah, you and I need to talk about that. We probably should start getting into one a week um, here soon, so we'll we'll see if there's enough news to support that and, uh, and get going with our, our regular one per week uh, in the offseason. I'm traveling a little bit this summer, so there'll be a couple of weeks where that um, doesn't happen, but I think uh, we should probably get go on one one a week. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think now it's just a it's a still a little bit of a dead time, but once certainly once training camps roll around, you get news pretty consistently. You can kind of dive into uh, some of the off season stuff ahead of preseason, and certainly when preseason comes about, yeah, one one per week. And of course, Greg Smith is also going to be doing some podcast under the uh, most accurate podcast name. So you know, hopefully, a lot of content to be, to to come in the next couple of months. Uh, That's it for today's podcast, though. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on The Most Accurate Podcast.